0: Newsweek presents The Debate with Andrew Tolman.
1: Everything 100% of the time, 24 hours a day, is a negotiation.
0: Rakeem Brooks. This is a common good that we are talking
2: about.
1: Amani
3: Wells on Yoha. I'm completely fed up with whether it's politicized or not. And Jeff Charles.
2: That distracts us from actually rolling up our sleeves. The Debate starts now. Okay, so when I was thinking about a topic for this week, I'm I, it was hard for me to choose because I, I wanted to do one that was a little bit more fun, but this one came across and I wrote about it and it's it's a very serious issue and it has to do with the the rate of overdose deaths from drugs, specifically from fentanyl that have been happening over the past few years. You might know that uh, last year, I believe we had about 120,000 overdose deaths, 66% of which were due to fentanyl. Now, most people, I mean, it's kind of assumed that a large number of the people who died from fentanyl didn't know that they were taking it. Because fentanyl, especially fentanyl that comes from over the southern border, gets laced into street drugs like heroin, methamphetamine, even marijuana. But there was a new study that came out from the New York University School of Global Public Health. They did a study of specifically New Yorkers, and this is kind of a a microcosm of what I think is really going on nationwide. It found that more than 80 percent of New Yorkers who injected drugs tested positive for fentanyl, but only 18 percent of that number intentionally used fentanyl um now this was published in the international drug journal of drug policy but this illustrates an even darker picture of what's going on and especially when it comes to fentanyl that's being trafficked over the southern border it basically means that americans are being murdered they're being poisoned because they're taking a deadly substance without knowing it so to me it's it's, it's what's the solution I mean, I, as usual, my, my solution is probably way more radical than than what most people would would go for. But I mean, the, the war on drugs has been an absolute abysmal failure since its inception. It has been used to target uh, certain populations, black and brown specifically, and it's also ruined the, the lives of, of a lot of white families and black families and, and American families. And it hasn't worked. So to me, my solution is more to decriminalizing these drugs and even though i don't really like regulations i live in reality and i know that the government would have to regulate it to to make sure that you know it's not crazy and if they were to do so in a way that didn't create another black market then that would be much better than what we have right now, it, would, it wouldn't it would destroy the cartels that are shipping these drugs over the border, but it would greatly dampen their ability to continue murdering Americans. Now, again, I, I know you guys probably won't want to go as far as I do, but we have to think of other solutions because this war on drugs is not working. And I, you know, I don't believe that the government should be throwing people in cages for something that they choose to put in their bodies. And in this case, it is murder. So it is their job to protect our rights. So I'm going to go to Andrew. What, what do you think?
1: Yeah, so I just want to make sure I understand where you're coming from. It sounds like what you're saying is uh, that though drugs are bad, um, drugs have become so dangerously bad with the influence of fentanyl and the contamination of fentanyl in other drugs that the government is really need, needs to step in and stop protecting people from drugs themselves, but start protecting people from fentanyl contamination in drugs and so whether that would be i don't know some kind of a at home test or whether that would be certified safe products or it sounds kind of like that's the angle you're going at is that fentanyl has become so dangerous that the government needs to protect us from that or help us protect ourselves from that since it's clearly been incapable of getting us to protect ourselves from drugs in general am i am i
2: reading you right yeah i would say the government needs to stop Doing what it's doing to help empower these cartels to continue poisoning Americans through fentanyl. I mean, the the drug issue for me is bigger than fentanyl, but this one stuck out to me. So decreasing the number of fentanyl deaths would be another benefit to ending the war on drugs. But that is that is kind of the, the focal point that I'm honing in on here.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest. When it comes to fentanyl, I, I, I have a lot of sort of conflicting ideas, uh, one of which is I don't understand. There are some people who clearly like it. In fact, some people with the advent of Narcan, right, that you can be revived from any opioid overdose instantly. There are people who are deliberately engaging in fentanyl use because they know they can be Narcan back. It's crazy to think about, Mm -hmm. but that's that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are people who are, as you say, 18 percent low out of the 80 percent who have it. But 18 percent is still 18 percent. There are enough people who use fentanyl on purpose, which is amazing to me. I also don't understand the um, like if I'm a drug dealer, I don't understand why I would find it useful to inject my otherwise consumable that my customers want to buy with something that's going to kill them. What's the benefit to me of doing that as a sort of a business operation? I don't understand that either. So I guess I have more questions about Mm -hmm. the subject itself. Even though I talk with law enforcement about this all the time, I don't really understand why it's happening. Uh, So I don't know how to solve Mm -hmm. it until I understand
2: why it's there in the first place. So, so th- this might shed some light on that really quick, and then I'll, I'll go to you, Amani. But uh, a lot of these pe- these people who take fentanyl without dying from it, uh, who, or I'm sorry, the ones who take fentanyl without knowing it, don't die from it. So th- this study analyzed people who just took the the drug. What it does is that it, it it makes you crave more. It makes you make crave more powerful drugs, more powerful opioids, and then you consume more and more. And then some a lot of people die from it, but a lot don't. But still, they still have these debilitating health effects, even if they survive. So that just to, to kind of shed some more light on that. But what do you think, Amani?
3: Um, as somebody who watches a lot of power and drug shows like that, I've heard that it's cheaper to cut drugs with like things like fentanyl one. It does the stuff that you're saying, but it also helps them supply. Because if you want like a brick of full coke, cocaine, cocaine, like from Mexico, that's <laughs> very expensive. So they have to cut the drug with something to preserve that pure cocaine. So often people cut it with fentanyl because it's cheaper. Um, and it's still, you know I mean, it's technically Coke because there's a little Coke up in there or whatever mm. your drug of choice is, but it's just cheaper. And yes, it is extremely dangerous, but in the drug dealers mind, Andrew, from like their business perspective, they can preserve the real product, which is the Coke longer. Um, the next point is what you were saying, Jeff, I actually in my head i am like jip is my evil twin because i agree with him so much and i him so much but he literally is my evil twin but i agree with you on this because i see what you're saying if it isn't working <laughs> the war on drugs just isn't working like people are dying guess what a lot of people are still doing drugs hard drugs and they're making those decisions each and every day themselves so i understand your perspective of yes the government should ha- I mean, I understand like morally, I'm assuming that that's the government's position in this. Is it just because it's morally bad that we shouldn't legalize drugs or um, decriminalize drugs? I don't know what our justification for it is at this time, uh, particularly because it's not working. But whatever it is that they're holding on to in their mind on why this is still a criminal issue and not a health issue that needs to be changed. And there should be something done to, like y'all were saying, just make sure that if somebody wants to go out and buy cocaine, they should be able to buy cocaine and not have something in it. I even hear people who are having their weed laced with fentanyl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Like So if somebody wants to go and get weed, they should be able to go get weed. If they want to go get cocaine, they should be able to go get cocaine, Like because they're going to get the drug and do the drug no matter what. Um, So at the very least, it's our job as a government to keep people alive. And if fentanyl, which we know has infiltrated the drug trade so deeply, then yeah, we got to step in and do something about that.
2: There is an Oregon waiting for you, (laughs) Amani. I mean, yeah. And from an ideological perspective, I mean, like I was saying earlier, I I don't believe that the government has the right to point a gun at your head and throw you in a cage over (laughs) the plant that you put in your body. But when you're looking in terms of efficacy, it just doesn't work. I mean, in countries like Amsterdam and Portugal, where they have decriminalized at least most drugs, the drug usage rate and addiction rate has gone down. It doesn't mean that they don't still have issues. They do. But the idea that everybody would be cracked out on the streets. It, it is absurd. So I, I, I do think that there, there is room for this. I mean, it, it may not be pretty when we first try it, but I think as time goes on and we learn how best to implement that, it could work. What, what do you think, Ricky what, what should we do about fentanyl in general?
0: I you mean, know, I don't think I'm going to say anything super interesting because I broadly agree that we ought to legalize drugs. But I guess one of the things I throw out is that it's not so much that the government would regulate it that largely leads to improved health outcomes. So that's part of it. It's actually the spread of information. So it makes it easier for someone who intended to only smoke marijuana, who finds it has been laced with fentanyl, to go and tell other people that it's been laced with fentanyl, right? Mm-hmm. Currently, you buy it and you want to go tell somebody and they want to lock you up for having bought it. So you can't actually sound the alarm or you want to press charges against the person. But now you're in an entirely black market. And as a consequence of that, you're submitting yourself to possible threat and violence. Right. So all of those things compound on one another. But it's actually the public awareness aspect that grows by virtue of legalization. It's not just the government enforcement component of because obviously, government regulates, I don't know, Oxycontin, and that didn't help a whole lot of people, right? So it's not that government's particularly good at this or that. It's that people, when a drug is legalized, can come together and say, this has deleterious effects on our health far beyond what we expected it to have. Now, of course, you're going to still have addiction issues, and those will be terrible for the individuals and their extended families and loved ones. But uh, if we want to deal with what you're describing, which is the intentional poisoning of people in ways that they are not choosing to to um, consume, you've got to legalize because that's how the information is going to get out and move around. I
1: will take up uh, since I seem to be the only one here with this view. So I'll, I'll take up for in a world without fentanyl. OK, kind of got to start there uh, because I think the fentanyl problem absolutely complicates everything else. But in a world mm-hmm. without fentanyl, uh, laws matter. Stigmas and taboos discourage behavior. Uh, across the board, whatever you're talking about. And when you're talking about some of these drugs, uh, you know, the ones that are typically illegal now, these are things that are harmful for people to consume. They are often not always, depending on the drug, very addictive. And they're ruining people's lives who get involved with them. Does the war on drugs work in the sense that it always prevents people from using them? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, you'd be a fool to think that. But does it reduce the consumption significantly. And I think that it does. I think that just and a story often not told about the prohibition era is that prohibition actually worked to decrease alcoholism and alcohol related illness in the time that it was in place. It was so wildly unpopular that, of course, it got undone, but it actually did make a difference. And so, you know, comparing a prohibition era style like war on drugs that we have right now against a world in which, you know, uh, people use no drugs at all. Of course it's not working, but against a world like Oregon, where it's just wide open, do whatever you want. We're way better off than that. So I believe in government regulation of at least some of these things Add fentanyl into the mix. And it absolutely complicates these problems because now it starts to look like, you know, the government might have more interest in saving people from the fentanyl than they do in saving people
2: from the heroin or the cocaine or the marijuana. That's a good point, Andrew. And that's actually kind of how I used to feel about the drug issue, too. But to me, I I believe that, you know, having laws that lock people up for taking a plant or taking a drug, it makes society worse. And from where I sit, I mean, it's it's if you want to, you know, drink Hennessy or drink whatever, I shouldn't be sending men with guns and badges to lock you up. I believe that it is immoral to do that, especially if it's a victimless crime. Um, but I also think that society in general, and I mean, back to Rakim's point, can actually help to curb a lot of this too, especially if the government kind of gets out of the way it, it, when it comes to enforcing th- these laws, because now more people can say, Hey, you know what? I, I can go to this legal vendor, get my fentanyl or whatever. And by the way, the fentanyl that's made here in America is not nearly as as potent at what comes over the southern border. Then I think that it can make for a safer society while also preserving liberty and actually having and having uh, solutions, because like I was saying, even in countries where they have decriminalized a lot of these drugs, the drug addiction rate went down.
0: So um, I was yeah. going to share an example, Andrew. And it's I think I also held your viewpoint, but it goes back to our earlier conversation about Sometimes using law um, and a stick as opposed to just using, you know, sort of moral suasion of one kind or another. So I grew up in East Harlem in the 1990s, you know, like just come out of the crack epidemic. There was no more surefire way to ensure that I as a child never consumed any drug and basically still do not today uh, than to have you walk past someone who is drug addicted on the street. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so many parts of our society are walled off from those things that we think the only way to protect ourselves is via law. But if you've actually experienced in a a relatively sort of progressive legal environment where people are allowed to use on the streets, been to the streets of San Francisco, where I clerked and gone down to the tenderloin, you walk through the tenderloin for one day. And if anybody says to you. If you use drugs, it's not 100 percent, but this is in your possibility. This is in your option set afterwards. Most human beings who do not are not dealing with serious crisis of one kind or another are going to say to themselves, that's a chance too many. You know, I don't know what I'm about to introduce myself to, but I'd rather not it be that form, you know, that life. And um, so I actually think you end up with relatively probably low levels of usage when people experience the true impacts of deep addiction among folks, again, who have the capacity to make make good authentic choices. There are plenty of folks who are under duress and for a variety of reasons, get introduced to things. I mean, back to Jeff and Amani's point, the lacing of, of drugs and not being able, again, to explain to folks what's happening in that, uh, in that circumstance to me is a byproduct of a kind of covered market, as opposed to um, opening it up and letting people see that here's where you could do it safely if you needed to do it or wanted to do it. And here are some of the results of doing it for too long or for an extended period of time, Mm -hmm. et cetera, just like alcoholism. But it's almost to your point, last point, maybe, Andrew, on prohibition. So much of what drove prohibition was that women were being abused at home. Mm -hmm. Right. So the privacy around what the drug does to people ultimately is. Um, I think drives a kind of reaction. And when we can publicize what's happening to folks, I don't know, I think you end up with better social policy outcomes. And really quick, maybe
1: maybe this is just personal experience, but since Rakimi you shared yours, I I give you mine, is I think about like, you know, my parents taught me don't use drugs, but I grew up in an environment where Nancy Reagan also told me don't use drugs. And, you know, the movies they showed us at school told us not to use drugs. (laughs) And at certain times when I might've had an opportunity to do so, I also thought, well, geez, I don't want to go to jail like I really, really badly don't want to go to jail and ruin my life that way, aside from ruining my life with the drugs themselves. And so I never did. And I'm glad that I never did. Um, and I'm I'm appreciative of that. And so I was raised in an environment of prohibition that mm-hmm. I feel kept me safe from the harms I see afflicting other people like this. And now raising my boys, you know, I tell them, don't use drugs. And I tell them, and also you'll go to jail if you do. And I'm terrified to think of a world in which they've gotten me telling them don't, but the world around them says, yeah, but it's legal, it's fine. And what that'll mean for them when they get to the age of majority. So that's where I think of the value of the taboo stigma law cooperating with the moral cultural norms to share a message with a stick that has an effect on preventing people from making bad choices.
3: I think the extremes that drug use can go is a stick enough. Like, can't nothing in the world make me ever try meth. I've seen people (laughs) on meth. I've seen what it does. Watch Breaking Bad. (laughs) I've watched Breaking Bad. Like, there's nothing in the world that's going to make me, like, you're saying crack. I'm never going to smoke crack. I know what, we hear crackhead. You don't want to be a crackhead. Like, so we have to have a little bit more faith in people and and in society. There are going to be some people who have it in them to do drugs. Like, it just is what it is. There's some people who are addiction prone. And it's a genetic thing sometimes, a biological thing. It's, you know, there are some people who are just like that. And then there's other people who can be in rooms. You know, I've been, I've been to the club. I've walked in on them doing stuff in the bathroom. I'm like, y'all got it. You know, I'm going to leave. But do you boo? So there's going to be some people who can be around stuff and just be like, it's not in them to participate in to, in that stuff. And then there are some people who who are going to do it no matter what. So like you were saying, got to give people their freedom. Not everybody is going to be enticed by a drug. You know, it's not that cool looking.
2: You know, and I think because I'm sympathetic to that position, Andrew, because that, that, that's the way I felt. And it's like it almost feels like insecure to, to not have the power of the government to tell people not to do something that is dangerous for them. It, that's legitimate. You're, you're right. But I've seen how it's made it worse. Right. Because if you do do drugs or maybe you sell some weed, you get thrown in a cage, you get out. And now you can't get a job, housing, uh, 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 schooling. You might go you're going to go right back to doing what you were doing before. And we've seen these recidivism rates and they just go on and on. And it's just a vicious circle. And I'm in the same camp as Amani and Rakim. Like I've never done any hard drugs uh, because I've seen what it's done to family members, to friends. And I, I mean, I just I think that that's a deterrent enough. And also. I think when we, when our answer is the government, we abdicate our own responsibility as a society and as a community. If we don't want people to do drugs, if we don't want our loved ones, then we need to come around them as a community. You know, churches, synagogues, mosques, whatever, to to help them understand it and, and, and appreciate the the value of abstaining from from these dangerous drugs, or right, or maybe using them in moderation, or however you, however you choose to do it. Or if somebody does get addicted and they have problems the government can't fix that that's mm-hmm. up to us to fix that's up to us as a freedom loving society to take on that responsibility because with liberty does come responsibility to help these people get off of the addiction And i believe that private organizations are much better at getting people out of their addictions than the government is so i to me i just i i understand where the government can play a part or where it has played a part but i don't see that it's done more good than bad You would like to be a part of the debate? Email us. The debate at newsweek.com.